Hello everyone and welcome to the CMO Stories podcast episode 42. My name is Yuri Bilas. I'm your podcast host. I'm in Belgium as you already know if you listened to the previous podcast episodes and today we have a guest from Oxford. Hi Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you Yuri for having me. I'm so excited to have you also, you know, you're all French, I guess. So your name Charles Breck. It's easy for me to pronounce because I'm from Belgium, actually, and French is my second language. So for all of you listeners, let me introduce you to Charles. Well, Charles, Charles Breck, eh, complete name, is the founder and CEO of Legislate. Charles founded Legislate in April 2020 in Oxford to make contracts machine readable using patented knowledge graph technology. Before founding Legislate, Charles brought machine learning solutions to market for three years at MindFoundry, and that was a spin-out from the University of Oxford. Charles is a graduate of the Ecole Centrale de Lyon. France. So hi, Charlotte, nice to meet you. So first, perhaps to start it, give me some background. I've said a few things, but about yourself and about Legislate. Yeah. So I guess uh, I don't have the typical background of a marketer. I uh, studied engineering in France and joined a machine learning startup in Oxford, originally doing data science, but I felt that I wasn't the best data scientist. I understood machine learning models and all of that but i felt that i was actually a lot better at talking about it explaining it to customers and even actually finding customers understanding their problems and how our solution could actually apply so as i was you know i, I quickly moved to business development but it was six years ago when machine learning was still a very new topic and i found that there was a lot of noise And especially when I was going into client meetings, we were talking about very complicated concepts, Bayesian optimization, Gaussian processes, things which today maybe more people have heard of, but especially back then, no one understood. So I always, and I sort of stumbled into marketing, but I would always create content ahead of my meetings, publish them on Medium to explain what is Bayesian optimization, what are Gaussian processes, etc. And... I enjoyed the writing because it, it actually forced me to truly understand what it is I'm, I was writing about. And then somehow the medium algorithms liked the content and we ended up getting thousands of views, inbound leads. And I thought, well, actually, this is really interesting. So marketing has always been core to what I've been doing, regardless of what it is that I'm actually doing. So today I'm a CEO, but ultimately I do spend a lot of my time marketing. And at MindFoundry, I was doing business development And I just ended up having lots of problems with contracts, not so much getting clients, but more closing contracts post-legal because I'd spend a lot of time waiting for my clients' legal teams to review the comments or accept the changes. And in two occasions, we lost deals, um, or in fact, multiple occasions, lost deals post-legal negotiation because it had taken so long, buyers would lose They would lose budget, they'd lose interest, or they'd get promoted to a different department or different company. And so really what we're trying to do at Legislate is empower business users, non-lawyers like myself, to create contracts in a simple, efficient way and robust way without needing to get legal involved at every single step. So that's my background. Wow. 
I like that you mentioned Medium. One of my previous podcast guests also was really happy with the results that she got out of Medium. So I definitely <laughs> need to dive into that too. There are so many channels out there eh, today. So uh, actually, yeah, marketing is, of course, always there. But you are in this technology, in this field that is not easy, explaining to people what is it all about, solving a pain in the market with, with a solution. But then at a certain moment, of course, it's a startup. You need to have capital to start with. Was, was that difficult to find investors or how did that go? So I think um, contracts is a problem that luckily lots of uh, people and businesses can relate to. No one really enjoys creating contracts. And when I had the idea that actually by using knowledge graph technology, we could create contracts in a way which doesn't require lawyers. I think it, it definitely resonated with investors, but I think the challenge is always for an investor, why should they back you or why should they back your approach? So my approach was just to start with some angel friends and family funding and also some of the early angels in the startup where I'd work because they knew me from what I'd done there. But with that initial capital, built a product secure some customers and then raise proper venture funding. Yeah, it helped you, of course, that you had already this experience with the startup that you worked with before, I guess. But yeah, it's always a challenge. Okay, when you are building this startup, it's really adventurous. And I guess there are some moments that really make you happy because you're seeing progress. What was your favorite moment until now eh, with new company legislate? I think um, obviously there's there's lots of favorite moments and, and lots of and many more worst moments for each favorite moment. But I think when we secured our in first institutional funding, uh, which was a million pounds in February last year, it truly added an extra layer of credibility to what we were doing. And obviously, getting our first customers, all of that was great and really motivating. But somehow getting that institutional investor on board just made everything so much more credible and then allowed us to build out a team, allowed us to try new marketing channels that we hadn't maybe considered before and really go and, and solve this problem quickly in that scale. So I think that's my favorite moment. Well, yeah, it's also confirms that, you know, you're in the right direction if you have people investors like that believing in you but you mentioned okay for every favorite moment there are also you know i would say hard moments or when you need really to fight you know to get things started up and what were some of the challenges that you encountered so i think especially on the investment side um at the end of the day you only need one yes to secure investment right but that also means that you've probably secured lots of no's And I do feel that, especially in the early days, there was lots of rejection on that front. And rejection is always useful because it helps you improve. But sometimes you get rejected with for reasons which don't actually make any sense. And they can definitely uh, have a negative impact. But it is what it is. I think um, building any piece of software is always a challenge. There's, there are always going to be bugs. There's always going to be downtime. And I think when you're building the product and you have those issues, it's fine. But when you have clients, it becomes a whole different ball game. So I think we, we've luckily we haven't had too many moments of downtime, but when they have happened and, and we've had clients on board, it's, it's been a, a balancing act of keeping the clients in the loop, making sure will they find out if they do find out, yeah. you know, what, what do we say and how quickly can we get it back? So it's, it's all you know quite stressful. But of course, yeah, you learn from this experience. And if you build something new, it's normal that you have people doubting because if you make something that everyone already knows, you cannot make the difference. You cannot stand out. So you're making something new. 
there is a, a market for it. And of course, you will not have everyone, um, you know, trusting it or buying into it at first time. You have like these early adopters and you have people following, you know, uh, the crowd. And maybe the no will become a yes uh, in the future. Maybe. Because when I learned about your, about your business, what you are doing, do you have competitors at the moment that, uh, that are doing the same thing or not? Yeah, so I, I think it's... it's- you know, as you said, there, there's a market for legal solutions. And as a result, there are lots of legal solutions. But the gap that we identified, first of all, is that none of those legal solutions are able to track the data in the contracts. That was the first problem. And second of all, all those legal solutions tend to optimize lawyers, which is great if you're a lawyer. But if you're a non-lawyer like myself and or businesses that don't have legal teams, it becomes a challenge. So we're solving both problems ultimately with knowledge graphs because the knowledge graph gives us the opportunity and the ability to actually track the data in the contract. And if you can track what's in the contract using technology, then you can apply rules, you can apply logic, you can provide that transparency and that control that maybe working with a lawyer by the side you'd you'd achieve except this is minus um, the lawyer. So that's how we position ourselves. It's a platform primarily for non-lawyers. Of of course, we've got lawyers that use it because it's a great way to create contracts. And then second of all, post-contract signature, you can actually track the data in your contracts. So what does that mean? Well, it means if you're an employer, you know, for example, you can answer very easily, how many of my employees that have been with me for two years and that are still on a 30-day notice period and, and in this specific de- department because maybe we need to move them onto a senior employee contract with a longer notice period, more restrictions, et cetera. Or if I have uh, all these employees and I want to hire five more people in marketing, how does that impact my budget in real terms? And, and because we have the control of the data, we can answer those questions very easily. Um, we can filter, obviously, so that you know quickly where your contracts are. But we can also go further. And if you think about a contract, everything starts with a contract. But what we want to do is empower businesses once they've created their employment contract, for example, or any type of contract, to do what they need to do next as part of the contract, whether that's payment collection, whether that's setting up pensions, payroll, everything ultimately is connected to a contract, but not currently today because contracts are still treated as templates and PDFs. Whereas we treat contracts as data objects. And because we've got this data object, which we track continuously and monitor in time, we can build on top of that. Right. If you would summarize the benefits of your solution comparing to what already exists, what would that be? And I already understand that you gain a lot of time, I think, for if you are not, not into this technical or legal stuff. But what are other benefits that you're offering with your solution? So efficiency, lawyer-approved templates, that's kind of what you need to enter the space. And that's what we have. But going further, it's very much the data to unlock data in contracts, you would typically have a spreadsheet and you typically use humans to go through your contracts, extract the data, put it in your spreadsheet, and then you need to maintain that spreadsheet each time you create a new contract. And that takes time, there are errors, and you can't, at the end of the day, you, you can do lots of things with spreadsheets, but you can't make key business decisions with right. a spreadsheet. So so we're effectively automate, automating the extraction of that data so that as a business owner, you can look into your legislate dashboard, understand quickly 
what's in your contracts so that you have the complete visibility and decisions. I mean, to, to make your decisions, because I always speak and with other business owners, et cetera, where they know that they've got these contracts, but they don't know when they start, when they end, if there are break clauses, right. they don't know um, if there are any special terms that they needed to deliver on that. No one knows everyone. It's almost as if once you've signed the contract, you forget. And, and that's why, you know, if you look at other platforms, it's very much focused on let's sign quickly. Whereas at Legislate, it's let's sign efficiently, but let's first of all, make sure you understand what you're signing. And then second of all, once you've signed, let's make sure that you actually, first of all, do what you're supposed to do and that you can actually track your contract post-signature and do everything you need to do with the data in those contracts. Right. Yeah, I think that's very important to have this overview because sometimes people sign a contract, they forget about this and they want to end it, but they don't know the terms or they forget. And when if you don't have the overview or don't understand it, and that's with your solution, you really see that. I had in the past, I had a business analytics company where we are also helping companies with tracking, with keeping track in the dashboards. And you see the difference. Companies who keep track of things, who measure stuff, you know, they, they are more likely to grow than yeah. companies that, that are not organized. You need that structure. So perhaps another question, because you're building something really nice, but I guess there are, there are these challenges. And what is now keeping you up at night? Is there something? Because you have a startup. It's, it's, you don't know what the future will bring, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's um, just how do we acquire more customers and, and more of the right customers that will help us grow? Because as a startup, if you don't have any customers you don't have any revenue and then without any revenue you eventually run out of money unless you secure funding but right. you can't secure funding unless you've got traction and and revenue is often or customers is often a proxy of of traction so i think that's just something that we are monitoring but i feel that thanks to our at least marketing efforts we've been able to generate a lot of leads and that grows quite consistently um and i think what keeps me up at night is or will it continue to grow or when will it stop? <laughs> yeah. And, and if, if you have the funding, of course, to grow. Yeah, I yeah. guess that that's always a challenge. Yeah. And that's every, you know, business startup wants to have these leads and these clients. You talked about uh, your marketing. What are the main channels that you are using for your marketing at this moment? Sure. So when we started the company and going back to the, my experience of writing on Medium, I felt that legal is a complicated topic no right. one or the majority of people don't really know what they're doing or when do you use this contract or what are the key clauses of this contract etc so very early on we did start putting content out on our blog and and that was something that we we're able to do quite a bit especially for me although i did contribute to some of the coding at the beginning ultimately it was we're building i was able to write and and same we had various interns who helped produce content. And we weren't thinking of SEO. We were just thinking of how do we educate the market? How do we prove our credibility to our customers that we understand what's in their contract so that when they're coming to create their contract with us, they they trust our service and system, even though we're a relatively new company. So we, we just put out almost uh, an article every other day. And then we all of a sudden started getting traffic that turned into leads. And then when that happened, we thought, okay, what can we do to get more traffic? And and that's when we sort of double down on content, double down on SEO, and and I'd say we're now we're now getting about one thousand two hundred organic visitors a day from Google, which will bring us ten to twenty 
leads a day, of which one out of 10 will convert to a paying customer. So it was a, a path that we that made sense because we wanted to educate, but we didn't necessarily realize that actually this could be a, a core channel for the business. Yeah, of course, it's about giving value first and then people discover you and then you're not, you know, putting out sales messages like a lot of companies do out there on social media. I get them every day, <laughs> probably you too. So uh, that's typical, but you have an other way out to do it with more like an inbound approach, I would say, so that you, you work on the SEO, you have people find you, you're putting out content on Medium. Do you have also your own blog or is it yeah. really the Medium yeah, blog? So, so we started on Medium, but we, we quickly migrated to the blog, to our own website because, and, and we do repost on Medium sometimes because it is, there is, you know, it's, it's which, which algorithm do you want to feed at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. And um, for the website, we thought actually let's post on Google first so that Google knows that this is our content, this is the original content. And then if there is distribution to other platforms, then it will at least know where the, the source of truth is to, to add the credit. Yeah. So your focus is on creating this content out there on the site. And I guess you're, you're also sharing it everywhere on social media. Yeah. Um, yes. Best practice. Yeah. And I think one thing that we've, we've started to explore is how do we share it on, um, on TikTok? Right. I, I think, I mean, Medium and TikTok are similar in the sense that they will push content to users who are interested in that type of content. Whereas Facebook or Twitter, it, it really just depends on how people engage and, and most chances people won't engage, not quite the, the, the engagement to trigger virality. And, and Google ultimately wants to help users find what they're looking for, but it needs to have enough credit. You need to have enough credit before you rank. Whereas With, with TikTok or Medium, you can start with without any credibility. And as long as the content is good, then they will start to push it. So TikTok is, is, is a new new channel for us. We haven't mastered it yet, but, um, but it's very <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm also looking at TikTok and trying, and I see how I can get the best out of it. But TikTok, once you have like your audience, your niche established, And you have a really typical niche. So people, you will have, once you have an audience and you will, you will grow. But in the beginning, TikTok needs to find out yeah. for who is this content. Yeah. And then, you know, that takes time and you need to be patient because it can take some time. Yeah. But once it starts, you can have, without any followers, you can, exactly. you know, on, on, in theory, you can go viral yeah. on TikTok. So it, it really depends. Also, your first video on TikTok that you ever made with a new account also gets a bit more views oh, really? than the second <laughs> and the third. So yeah, just telling you this, you will see that there is like an evolution. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you need a bit patient, but it's right. It's, it's the, oh, I think with Medium, but for, with social media channels, the only platform that we're looking is, uh, as looking for intent mm -hmm. of, you know, people of, of interest, what is the content that people want to see? Whereas on other social media channels, it's shown to your followers yeah. first. Yeah, and exactly. Not, and so, And that's a bit uh, of a difference. Also, you talk TikTok, also perhaps Instagram Reels, or is that not the um, something you... We, we, we have an Instagram as well, and I think we've been trying to work out how do we make it professional and, and look good. And yeah, converting TikToks to Reels is more the, the lazy approach that we've taken, but... Uh, Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you you still need to make those TikToks also. So the I think the the big idea is to have somewhere as a source of the content, which is in your case your blog, and then based on that repurpose it. And I would also think 
you, you talk about short form video content, but perhaps also longer form on YouTube. Uh, is that also something that you're looking at? Yeah, so or not? on our YouTube, we mainly have product demos, but okay. And I think at the end of the day, everything comes down to time, bandwidth, and budget. But I, I would love, especially for our articles that have done really well, to be able to have a video of someone explaining the article. Or right, yeah, and it, and it could obviously we could do a nice presentation and, and infographics, but it could also just be not necessarily someone reading the article, but just someone explaining the, the three key concepts to take away from this article. But um, yeah, because you have people that you know that instead of reading, they like to listen or they like to watch content. It's yeah. the way everyone is different. Yeah, uh, we, we, in the way that we definitely want. try to offer a holistic experience to our consumers but i think it, it's at the end of the day it needs to be consistent and that on the one hand holistic means the different types of mediums so that if someone wants to listen or watch or read they can but it also means the the nature of the content do they want to read a 3000 word article or a hundred word bullet points yeah etc so so that's what we try to we try to balance yeah that's and find out what your audience likes of course and that yeah i think it's best like i said so to to, to be able to repurpose some content but it takes time as yeah. you said and you said it uh, the magic word consistency is key yeah that you do it consistent that you don't do it once yeah. or twice and then forget about this because the algorithms don't like that if no. you are not consistent <laughs> so one last question for the next year or the next few years if you see this what is going to happen in the market for your company what's your vision for the the years to come now i know you want to grow and get more clients but perhaps you have yeah something else to share with us so yeah growing more clients that's obvious expanding our verticals is also another one because right now we focus in property and employment uh, we want to go into others or even just broaden the the suite of contracts that we offer in those verticals we also want to expand into other jurisdictions right now we're just focused on the UK, there's obviously the US, there's Europe, there's the rest of the world. Right. And especially because our content is ranking around the world, we are already getting leads from around the world. It's just we're not necessarily able to cater for their requirements just yet. So so I think that's just on the growth side. But, but I think in terms of the product and, and where the company is going, I think we, first of all, have actually created an API version of our platform so that other software platforms that might involve a contract can actually now use Legislate's API to offer that much more complete contracting experience within their own platforms. So that's very exciting because that will really massively scale the number of users that create contracts with us. So we, we right. have a number of platforms that are currently just playing in the sandbox and, and hopefully they'll go live uh, later this year. And then still going back to the API, it's um, how do we offer complete contracting experiences where if uh, someone is using Legislate, they can do everything they need to hire an employee, whether that's obviously the contract, but also setting up payroll, pensions, maybe even registering the government. All those things that require that take information from the contract to do something else, we want to be able to offer. So um, it does mean thinking slightly differently about the product that we have today, because this vision is, is ultimately was only enabled by the steps that we've taken so far. Um, right, but um, but I think it, it's it's very exciting. And, and really, we're just offering a much better experience 
overall and and hopefully we can continue to broaden the the users who can benefit from that experience yes so if people listening to you and they want to find out more about legislate where should they go our website is probably the best place uh, or you can you can laugh at our tiktok videos yeah <laughs> uh, but usually searching for legislate will 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 find us or going to legislate.tech Okay, we'll definitely put it in the show notes for people that are listening to the podcast and that are in a car, for instance. And if people want to connect with you on a personal level, where is the best place? Would that be, for instance, LinkedIn? Or- LinkedIn is probably the easiest. And um, I am on Twitter, but I'm more of a, a watcher than a tweeter. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You know, creating content is, 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 takes a lot of time. So yeah. you need to pick a bit your channels. And, uh, Charlotte, it was a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Guys, if you are listening to this podcast and uh, you liked it, I would love for you to share it with your friends, with your partners, with your colleagues. And, uh, yeah, if nothing else, Send me a question. If you have a question around tech marketing, around social media or anything related, then of course, I will be happy to find the right guest for you. And if nothing else, I would like to see you in the next podcast episode. Bye.